Welcome to today's Conduit Podcast. As a reminder, Conduit's a tribe of small business owners and leaders who desire to get better by learning and growing together. My name is Jerry Bierman, owner-operator of Learning Glass. Today we have my Wednesday recurring visitor, Rick Meyer, owner-operator of Meyer Brothers and Sons. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Jerry. So when you looked at this week's topic uh, being standards and specifically Lou Vaughn said, hey, would you guys, Lou Vaughn from Lou Vaughn Remodeling, he said, we guys talk about quality control and on-site project management. And I thought, gosh, Rick is going to love this talk. I love procedures and processes. Yeah. So dig in. What is the, give us a, unpack this a little bit for us. It's, it's, it's a great question. I think you can get into you know, you can start high level and really get into the details and the minutia of it all. But so um, for us, fortunately, I came into the business with a, from an on-site quality control, I came into the business with that as a value of ours. And so our guys who are performing the work on-site, they, they perform at a high level. Um, and they've been taught and trained and it's just in their blood so um that was happening and so whenever a we bring in new people um that cultural expectation is set and so we have a, a lead on every project and so that lead essentially is responsible for making sure everybody else's work is is up to the quality that we uh that we put out on every job so um, I think that's the way we execute on-site quality control. And also, we try to, we do quarterly meetings, and we try to do kind of best practices with everybody. Mm -hmm. um, so whether that's um, proper flashing of windows and doors, um, we try to send guys to trainings, you know, for example, installing LP smart side, um, decking things. So we try to, we try to keep up to date on that um, with those installation um, always telling the guys if this is something that comes from a manufacturer um, that has a specific set of instructions, always follow those instructions no matter what your gut or thought tells you otherwise because um, they're the ones that have to warranty their product. So those types of things I think as a whole kind of help, help the on-site uh, quality management. Sure. So just to get a pulse for where Meyer Brothers is today, um, you would say, based on what I'm hearing, you would say that your standards, your ability to execute uh, consistent quality um, in the field is um, consistent, is good. Um, so one of my questions is, well, how is it with your vendor partners? So how do you how do you how do you bring a vendor partner on, or maybe somebody listening is going to bring an employee on that it might work the same way? How do you bring a vendor partner on to say, hey, these are our standards? Like, as a as a as a vendor partner of yours with Shower Glass, how do you communicate to me and our team what your quality standards are, and how do you manage that quality control? my initial thought is that usually happens in a reactionary fashion. So for example, myself and our guys don't know what it takes or what it looks like to execute 
shower glass installation, but we do know what it looks like when someone scratches the marble seat in a shower and we have to deal with that in the client. Or we do know it looks like when there's caulk smeared all over the glass or there's chips in the glass. And so um, we've essentially, uh, you know, you, really by trial and error is yeah. how we've come to uh, come to rest with our vendor partners. Um, so, you know, with you guys just hearing, hey, uh, a client says, oh, I want to use a Lauren glass for my shower clothes. You're like, well, great. We've never used them before. But so this is on you, right? So we... Right. we push the liability to the client saying, we're happy to use your vendor partner, but know that we have no experience and therefore you're responsible for how this turns out. Mm-hmm. Well, so that's the, the initial um, exposure to a Loring Glass. And then from there, we realized, well, they, these guys actually do a really good job and they really care about what they're doing and how they're doing it. Uh, and they stand behind their product. And so, um, so that's an example. And our, for, we have another uh, one of our uh, vendor partners, uh, more of a subcontractor, he uh, does all of our most of our tile installation, and um, we were looking for a tile guy, and so we brought him um, on board and tried him out on a project, and said, "Well, you know, hey Tim, this is you know this is great, but hey, you got to work on this. This isn't acceptable. This isn't right. Um, you know, next project, hey Tim, we got to you know this is great, but we really need to work on this." Um, it's hard for our painter to come back and paint when you get grout smeared all the ceiling, you know, those types of things. And if you have a, if you have a sub or vendor partner willing to grow and change and to listen, then that's your ideal when you have. And so on the, in the opposite side, um, we've also worked with people that are just unwilling to listen, unwilling to, um, to fall in line with what our standard practices are. So mm-hmm. if we have someone that just does it, you know, surface protection is, a huge thing for us. And so um, if we just installed our nice soapstone countertop and our tile guy comes in with his grout bucket, sets it right on top of the soapstone, I mean, it's just like, no, don't ever do that. Like, that's not how you you have zero surface protection um, yeah. on that. So and, and if, if they're like, no, it's fine, or hardwood floors is another one. You know, at the end of projects and where we got the hardwood all finished and nice and people are walking in and they're not laying down drops and those types of things. It's, and if they just refuse to do that and, you know, say, oh, I've been doing this for 30 years and blah, 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 blah. Well, it's clear that we're not, we're not going to work together because they're not willing to, um, you know, follow the standards uh, that we have put in place um, for many reasons, even sometimes beyond the understanding of that specific sub or vendor partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's tough. That's the energy. Well, yeah, the, the, the amount of energy you expend in these conversations is tremendous. Um, one of the challenges is that I hear, I hear you guys say, you know, it's not right. And so, um, like my visualization of right might be different than your visualization of right. And, when you're looking at quality control or standards, um, you know, what, how do you, how do you show somebody what right is? And so I used the example yesterday with, with Bowser about my daughter, I would say, Hey, clean your room. And then she, I'd send her a text and I'd say, Hey, before you left the house, did you clean your room? And she said, yes. And I went up and looked at it. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And so I took a picture of it and said, hey, this looks clean to you. Like, 
you know, going back to the to doing it right, if people don't have a visual of what right is, how do you hold them to that standard? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and I, and that's that's tough. And I think for for us, it's it's something that is an evolution of rightness over time. Um, and like I said, a lot of that is is starts with here, here's what's wrong or here's what's unacceptable. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of growing um, growing into that what's right because sometimes you know you can communicate obviously in carpentry. Hey, you're, we're going to cope our our crown. Um, we're not going to do forty fives, and you you can't have that gap. Caulk is not the answer when it comes to painted trim. Um, the goal is to be tight every time. And so, and, um, so those types of things are, I feel like they're, they're cultural, um, within the company and, you know, what people accept, whether that's, um, the job lead or even just the way people do stuff and, you know, like, ah, you know, that's fine. I can't see it from my house kind of mentality. If that's the cultural mentality, then it's going to be tough to maintain those standards. But, um, if you, if you can kind of get guys who are executing at that level and you can pull other guys here and say, here, look, this is, this is what it looks like um, to do that well. And I think often more profound is, is when someone doesn't do it well and you say, hey, this is not right. Mm-hmm. Well, with, the, with many, of our, many of us have a similar shared challenge, which is labor. And when you're recruiting people into your organization, um, the pressure point one of the pressure points right now is just people. That's one pressure point. So then you get people and then those people don't know um, what the standards are. And so it's really interesting to hear the conversations, even within our organization, um, when you've got guys that have learned standards and then them trying to communicate standards to other people. And so mm-hmm. it's, it seems like, it seems like the, and, and I appreciate what you said, the willingness versus unwilling, like, you know, is, is the person, is your new guy, new gal, is the new person unwilling to um, accept your standards or have you as the leader not ju- done a good job of clarifying what that standard is? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and I'm I'm also thinking. So, I feel like there's kind of field standards execution of a craft in the field, mm-hmm. um, which I think is kind of one animal, and is dealt with through a lot of kind of on the job training, uh, and then another um, animal is is more on the kind of office procedures or project management. Um, side of things. So, for example, we hired a gal uh, just this week, and so we did some onboarding on on Monday. And um, so I've developed a couple kind of charts, flow charts, that essentially say here is here is what we view our role in the office, and here are the tools that we use to execute that role. And so just showing her visually all the different pieces and parts of, of what it looks like to, to manage our labor, to manage our subcontractors, um, all through spreadsheets, um, to manage our projects, 
through what we've developed as our project information document um, and to manage the client and the client's selection process and deadlines. And so we've created a system over the years. It's taken a long time, but we've created this system from kind of initial um, client call all the way through to project management that, that we're reiterating over and over and we're training our guys in and, and uh, training this new girl in and, and trying to show them visually how everything is interconnected and also explaining the why behind it. Um, you know, for example, we look at our role as kind of the, what I would call the, the office staff that is kind of behind the scenes of any particular remodeling project as the ones that need to organize everyone else involved. So I view it as my role to organize my guys on site, to organize our subcontractors when they're going to do their work, to organize our clients and have them know when they need to make selections by. Um, because at the end of the day, it all comes back to me. So I'm trying to get on the forefront of that by being out in front of all these things, even when other people can't see it. A lot of times clients are like, why am I picking up my plumbing fixtures when you guys even haven't, haven't framed it yet? Um, or why am I picking out cabinetry when it's not even drywalled? So mm -hmm. trying to explain to them the importance of deadlines and lead times. And we operate on a tight schedule and any kink to that can really, can really mess things up. So, mm -hmm. um, we have found from that kind of project management level, having clearly defined processes that are replicable to, um, to whoever's in charge of it is, is, is huge. Mm -hmm. That's good. So I, I made some notes while you were talking and I went back, my, my notes reflected the field. However, we could, I'm sure we could build something very similar for the office, but, um, and I'm going to talk to my guys about this today, actually, because I've got some, I've got some new guys um, in the field. And so I'm going to talk to them about the four, the, the four ingredients that seem to be really critical for the standards, the quality control, uh, and the on-site project management. The first is the standard around the craft. So you talked about the crown. Like, if you're talking about the crown and the woodworking, like, what's the standard for the miter and the crown, right? So that's, that's one, thing, one thing that I have to teach my guys. Um, you know, can they, can they see and can they execute to the standard of the craft, of the, the mitered crown? The second, the second standard is the customer service. You know, there's a standard that, you know, us being in the residential side, there's a standard of how we're going to interact with and engage the client, the customer. So there's a, there's a standard around customer service. Then there's a standard to your point around professional workspace. Like this is what the Alluring Glass or the Meyer Brothers and Son, this is what our job sites look like. These are the standards. Um, so if you walk onto one of our job sites, they should be consistent in appearance, in a professional appearance. And then the fourth is teamwork, that, you know, we are standard of interacting with your teammates. Those seem to be the four, those seem to be the four areas that are critical for the field. Do you agree? Is there something you'd like to add or, or delete from that list? No, I think that's, I think that's really important and a, a good way to kind of put it all together for laying out expectation. Because at the end of the day, that's kind of really where it lands is, you know, when people have different expectations 
uh, well, then things get misaligned and problems occur. So trying to do everything that we can up front to set proper expectations so that you can use that uh, to teach and train and equip guys when those aren't met. Yeah. One of the, uh, I watch a lot of the, um, a lot of the Vaynerchuk, um, pot, well, I'll listen to his podcast or he put, he's putting some snippets out on LinkedIn that are really good, but he posted one yesterday. I can't remember the guy's name that he was interviewing, but the guy um, was referencing one of the most important things. One of, one of the, one of the things that he's been the worst at as a business owner or entrepreneur, that is the most important thing to do. And he, he said, if you've got a critique or criticism of one of your teammates, you have an obligation to tell them like, you know, it's, you know things that you might have, you may have a critique of your, of your spouse that you would never say, I think is the way he referenced it. But with a, with a coworker, with a teammate, you have an obligation to share that critique. And I think that's one of the challenges, Rick, is that many of our friends, myself included, I don't like to provide critiquing of my guys or my friends. Mm-hmm. And, and yet from a, from, a, uh, from a standard or from a growth opportunity, like how am I going to get better if you're not sharing with me areas where I'm underperforming. And so yeah, it, it really is a both and, you know, is the person in your charge, are they willing or unwilling? And then for you as a leader, are you willing or unwilling? Like I, I would bet many of us um, don't share directly with those in our charge what we um, are trying to hold them to from a standard standpoint. So we just end up gunny sacking our frustrations and it manifests in different ways where they end up quitting or you end up firing them or you're just pissed off all the time. So yeah, that's a, that's a good for me going back to your word that always resonates with me is it's very convicting as a leader. I'm responsible for setting the standards and the quality control. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's right on. And, and it's, it's dangerous when, um, we start pointing fingers and blaming other people. For sure it is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure it is. As the leader, it's my responsibility. And so shouldering that responsibility. Yeah. Yep. 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 And I got to tell them and you know, just like with my kids, you tell them, you tell them what you told them and you tell them again. Um, yeah. John Herman uses the seven X, but whatever, whatever the quantity is, um, you know, it's our, it's our either responsibility and or opportunity to continue to tell them. So what you and I know is that if we put our head in the sand, um, it's unlikely we're going to have consistent standards. Yeah, that's for sure. Yes. That's the other thing. I feel like you need to put, put it out there and then reinforce it and reinforce it and, and, and reinforce it with their guy. Yeah. Everybody. When, anytime you, you create a standard and if, and if it's not reinforced, it's going to, it's going to eventually dissipate. Yep. Yep. Same thing in your house, right? The, the, the way that your family rolled the standards of how your family interacts with each other and you know what your family stands for. So that's good. All right. That's good stuff. I've got a, I've got a hop today. Thank you as always, Rick. I greatly appreciate it. I will see you in 35 minutes. Thank you, Jerry.